1: Foundations it doesn't matter what any human being says to you. If you want to know what is actual truth, you go to the bedrock of truth, and that is God's word. That's right. And just trust what it says. Dig into it and learn it.
0: Foundations: Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith with Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. We're working our way through a series about Mashiach, the Messiah. We began learning last time that many rabbis have what seems to be a legitimate reason for rejecting Jesus as Messiah. Because when Messiah comes, he's supposed to usher in world peace. Because Jesus came 2,000 years ago, and there's been war after war after war during that time, he couldn't possibly be Mashiach. However, we did learn last time that yes, world peace is associated with Messiah but in the right context and at the right time.
1: You can understand why many of the, the rabbis and a lot of Jews were turn around and say, look, Jesus did a lot of miracles and, you know, okay, he was a holy man and yes, he was Jewish, but he couldn't possibly be the Messiah because there has literally in the past 2,000 years been war after war after war after war, and it's still going today around yeah, the world.
0: And getting worse, not worse. And
1: better. so I get why they would feel that way. But again, as we talked about last time, there is this description of two messiahs and that. He had to come the first time to bring peace to the soul, to the heart, Mm. and to make atonement for sin, to reconcile man back to God. And we know he had to come at the time of Jesus because the prophet Daniel basically gave the date that he was going to arrive. So we know that. But again, what do you do with this answer for world peace? And of course, we know that the Mashiach is going to come again. Even the rabbis know that Mashiach is going to come. But there's so much debate between them. And you go, well, which rabbi I'm supposed to pick? Mm. Because they're all so conflicting. Now, having said that, I should just jump in and say, look, pick a religion, any religion you like, any worldview or religious philosophical system, and all of those religious leaders have got their own views, yeah. and all of their followers are going, well, which one am I supposed I'm going to follow this rabbi, I'm going to follow this imam, I'm going to follow this guru, I'm going to follow this priest, or. They're all the same. Everybody's mm-hmm. got their own little collective following. So Judaism is no different, really, That's in that right. regard.
0: It's almost just human nature, isn't it, in some well, respects?
1: <laughs> exactly. So therefore, therefore, let's just re-emphasize the point. It doesn't matter what any human being says to you. If you want to know what is actual truth, you go to the bedrock of truth, and mm. that is God's word. That's right. And just trust what it says. Dig into it and learn it. Yes, you can learn from people, but you say, thank you very much. I appreciate what you've said, but now I'm going to be a Berean. I'm going to jump into scripture Mm. and see whether you're telling me the truth or not. Respect the people, but go back to the word of God always. So the issue of peace, it's a big one. What does this mean for the identity of Messiah? And we have looked in detail We've looked in Isaiah 52 and 53 about the graphic description of a suffering Messiah. We learned a lot about his execution in Psalm 22, in Zechariah 14, and Malachi 3. Malachi 3 is actually a really good one.
0: Yeah, we might just actually pick up on that one. So the first four verses of Malachi 3, which is really talking about Messiah coming to purify and refine his people. It says, Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he'll clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he's like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He'll sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he'll purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present the Lord offerings in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in the former years."
1: Do you know what really jumps out at me when you were reading that? It says that who can actually endure the day of his coming? Mm. In other words, when he comes, it's not going to be a cakewalk. Yeah. Who can endure that? Uh, Who can stand when he appears? And then not only that, we go into a a fire, Mm. we go into a kiln, and we're going to be burned up and refined. That doesn't sound particularly peaceful and tiptoe through the tulips to me. Sounds a little rugged. And, and of course, you know, there's also, I and mean, we we have mentioned this before about when he comes, what's he going to look like? Well, you know, he came on a donkey the first time. What's it going to be like the second time?
0: Well, I know that there's a bit of contention between rabbis about this, whether Jesus is coming on a donkey or you know, I guess obviously the Bible talks about him coming in the clouds.
1: Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because, yes, it does say that he's going to come on a donkey. We know that Jesus actually did ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. We know that in the New Covenant, it says that when he comes back again, he'll be coming on the clouds of heaven. We know that. But what is really fascinating is that in the Talmud, Now, again, we've said this before many times, it's not scripture, but it is sacred Jewish writing. But in the Talmud, there's an argument between some of the rabbis. They're debating over whether or not the Messiah is going to come on a donkey or whether he's coming in the clouds of heaven. Mm. Now, Robo, I I don't know of any scripture in the old covenant. I could be completely missing it here. It might be there, but I don't recall a scripture in the old covenant saying that when Messiah comes, he's coming on the clouds of heaven. It does say he's coming on a donkey. Mm-hmm. The only scripture I'm aware of, I should probably go and check, in is in the New Covenant is in in where it says that when he comes back, he'll be coming on the clouds of heaven just like he left. Yeah. So I don't know whether the influence into the Talmud has come from early debate in the early church about Messiah coming on the clouds of heaven. I don't know, but it's fascinating to me that it's actually Mm. in the Talmud. That question, I think that's remarkable. Um, And again, you still come back to this this question, are we talking about one or two messiahs? Because they can't come on a donkey and on the clouds of heaven Mm. if it's the same one at the same time unless you're getting to the same one at different times.
0: Well, that's right, and that's what we've talked about in previous episodes where, you know, the, the Jews would believe that there are two different messiahs that come depending maybe on their behavior. Yeah. Uh, obviously Christians believe that there is one who comes at different points of history. Yeah.
1: Well, let me let me tell you there was a this is this is going to sort of take the top off your head a little bit. <laughs> there is uh, we we know about how amazing the Dead Sea Scrolls are, mm. and the discovery and the accuracy of Scripture. We learned a lot about the history of what the Essenes would write in their scrolls. Well, there's a scroll that they found and uh, a, a particular phrase or a statement made in one of these scrolls. It dates back to three, the 3rd century BC, so 300 years before Christ. Mm. And this is what was written in one of the scrolls. okay? It says, The Messiah will first suffer and die, but eventually... Will rule in triumph during the end of days. Mm, Now that was written not by a Christian, but by an ascene, a very devoted man of God, living Mm. pretty much in an isolated, segregated manner, because he had no trust or respect for the corruption of the priesthood. Studied scriptures constantly, and this was a quote. In there, in, in the scrolls, amazing, that they are saying in this statement, the Messiah is going to suffer first and die, but eventually will rule and triumph during the end of days. That sounds like it's the same person mm, That's right. coming twice to yep, me exactly. from an ancient Jewish sage and holy man. Yeah. I mean, that's not scripture, but it's an interpretation of what scripture actually says. Mm. Okay, and we've talked about this yes. true Messiah possibility. Is this going to be a suffering servant who comes and and dies for the people? Or is this going to be a warrior king who comes and vindicates his people and sets up a kingdom and rules justly and uh, does away with unrighteousness and and delivers the people? Mm. We would go yes and yes. (laughs) That's right. The answer is yes. (laughs) But the big sticking point, again, for a lot of Jewish people is there is no peace. Well, can I just say, yes, there is. I know this peace. I've Mm. experienced this peace, and the day will come eventually when Messiah is going to establish peace on earth, and it will be an enforced peace. Mm. Uh, Because if it was all going to be just lovely pie in the sky and let's just sort of sit around singing kumbaya all day, then why would he need to be a warrior? Mm. Why would they need a a warrior king who was going to come in swords blazing? And just another thing with regard to an enforced peace. You know, Paul said that when the emperor or whoever was ruling and reigning at the time that we were supposed to submit to them, he said they don't bear the sword for nothing. Mm. In other words, the the natural kings and emperors and rulers, they actually have a sword for a reason, Mm. to keep order, to enforce peace. And remember when Esther had to go before the king unbidden, she took a life into her own hands. It was all a matter, everybody was in, waiting with bated breath. Yeah. Is he going to lift that scepter of authority or going to drop it? He held that authority for a reason, to enforce laws. That's right. And Messiah will do the same thing. Mm. Okay, so I just want to finish off with a quote again from oneforisrael.org. You should go and have a look at this site. It's great. They say, we need to remember that this is only one piece of the whole picture. Since the time that Jesus came into the world, the number of people that entered into a relationship with the God of Israel has grown dramatically. And according to the Old Testament, this is one of the main roles of Messiah. Jesus succeeded where the people of Israel, who were supposed to be a light to the nations, failed to bring many Gentiles to know the God of Israel. This is not to be taken lightly. Hundreds of millions of Gentiles who previously lived in spiritual darkness now know the light of the Jewish Messiah and worship the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Mm. It's great stuff.
0: We're going to continue this series on Mashiach. We are getting towards the end, but we're not quite there yet. We'll continue looking at Mashiach next time on Foundation. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations.